0: Good morning, afternoon evening. Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. A podcast about the Kansas City Royals that should be uploading every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but I missed Monday and I'm uploading on Tuesday. Why is that? Well, the reason why I'm uploading on Tuesday is also kind of why I didn't upload on Monday because generally for me, Friday and Saturday are my most uh, exhaustive days at work, and Sunday doesn't usually help much either, plus I had some other stuff going on on Sunday, so basically, when I got into Monday, I was just exhausted, although I did want to do an episode, because there was something I really wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the Yankees, uh, talk to- uh, rather, a rumor or an article saying that the Yankees are interested in trading for Andrew Panintendi. There was this, which isn't, like, surprising because, like, every team wants to trade for Andrew Benintendi. Jeff Passan, or Passan, uh, said that, like, every single team that is remotely competitive wants Andrew Benintendi, because why wouldn't they? Who, Who doesn't have room in their outfield for someone hitting 320, right? So it doesn't surprise me. But it was an article that was swirling around and getting a lot of buzz from the Royals and the Yankees and the general baseball community. So I was going to look at Yankees prospects and just kind of think or talk about who I would want in a hypothetical Benintendi to Yankees trade. And that's what I was doing on Monday morning. I was prepping for the podcast, kind of looking through different Yankees prospects and thinking about my talking points, what I what I wanted and you know, what I wanted to say. But uh the time just kind of got away from me i spent a little too long on it and i just got so tired cuz again like i i'm just exhausted i'm so spent from the whole weekend of working and i am like all right well it's it's fine i'll just wait a day i'll pa- i'll just hold on to this and talk about it another day And it's probably good that I did because another article came out saying that the Yankees are looking for or looking at Michael A. Taylor as well. So that's cool. But I'm like, yeah, I'll just pack it in and I'll talk another day about all this. I got time, right? But then something else happened. Something much bigger happened on Monday. Whitmerfield's 553 game streak ended. And then like five minutes later, an even bigger thing happened with the Royals. And that's why I have to do this podcast now, today. I can't wait until the tomorrow to talk about this. Because the Royals made a trade. The Royals traded for multiple prospects. And it was so weird. When I got news of this trade, when I got word of this, I got pinged on Discord by a friend. And I saw the Jeff Passan tweet. You know, it's like the Royals traded, blah, 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 for three prospects, named the three pro- the, the prospects and all, and all that. And it was so weird because I'm like, who did we just trade? <laughs> who did we trade? And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm like looking over this tweet several times and I'm like, it doesn't say who we traded. W- was it Ben Benintendi? Was it Scott Barlow? Was it who did we just give up? And it's like, oh, we didn't give up anybody. Technically, we gave up a draft pick. I totally missed that because it is such a weird and unusual thing in baseball because normally draft pick trading is not a thing. Like, it's literally not allowed in baseball. I don't know why. You would think that because baseball wants to make money, they would allow trading of draft picks because I think that would make the draft more interesting, I mean, the, the NFL draft, for example, and I get that, you know, the draft is different for, for sports because of how talent works and, you know, prospects in baseball, it's it's a difficult thing. But even still, you know, you, you, the NFL draft comes up and leading up to it, you see all these moves being made. It's like, oh, this team just traded for this pick. It's like, oh, the team with the 16th pick just traded for the 10th pick and stuff like that. And all all this stuff about drafting up and uh, it's it's a lot right I don't know it's just an interesting sort of thing and I think that makes the draft the NFL draft more interesting and more exciting and really gets people going. I I feel like if baseball did that, there would be a similar effect. Maybe there would be some sort of thing where it's like, oh, but teams would give away draft picks and that would be uncompetitive. But it's not like baseball really cares about the competitive side of the sport. Let's just be real. They they pretend, I guess. I I guess that's why, because they pretend to care. In any case, so yeah, draft pick trading is not really a thing in baseball. However there is an exception made to the extra draft picks that occur. Because there's, you know, the usual normal draft picks that go round by round. However, between the first few rounds, there exists some extra picks that are given to teams based on a few different circumstances. So in this case, every year the Royals have an extra pick that's either between the first two rounds or rounds two and three. It alternates every year. And they get this pick literally just for being in Kansas City. Because teams that are in the smaller markets, they get an extra draft pick. And also, uh, it's based on revenue. So the Royals basically just for existing in Kansas City, which is, you know, geographically and I guess by population, a, a much a much smaller market compared to like a, a lot of other markets in baseball. They get an extra pick. And I I say it's either between the first two rounds or rounds two and three because they alternate it every year. So last year, the Royals got an extra pick after round two and before round three. This year, they get it between rounds one and two. And that's happened in 2020 and 2018. And for those years, the Royals used those picks on Chris Bubich, who I mean, you can complain about him now, all you want, even though it's most likely an issue with major league coaching. But Chris Bubich was a top 100 prospect. And in 2020, they used that extra pick on Nick Lofton, who is currently one of our better hitting prospects, I would say. So the Royals aren't giving up trash, basically. They're not giving up some waste that you know they're never going to use. They are giving up a a potentially solid prospect that they could be getting in this draft. They are forfeiting that to Atlanta who you know, of course wouldn't be getting this extra pick cuz they're in Atlanta. And it also might be worth noting that the draft money that would be associated with this pick basically teams have a certain amount of money to to use in the draft and the 35th overall pick is worth 2.2 million, basically. So the Royals are also giving up that amount of draft money to the Braves. So it's not like they can they they just suddenly have an a one less pick, but the same amount of money. So they can just like go all in and or just just go absolutely ham on whatever pick they have in the first round or whatever. No, that that money goes to Atlanta as well, which makes sense. But yeah, having this extra pick r- really benefits the Royals, who don't have the same spending power as some teams in the MLB that are, you know, much more consistently competitive. So, yeah, kind of forfeiting this advantage—it's a bit of a risk. However, the they're getting three prospects out of this. They basically turned one draft pick, one potentially good prospect, for three prospects. Good prospects, well. Let's talk about them. Atlanta is sending over outfielder Drew Waters and right-handed pitcher Andrew Hoffman and a third-base prospect named C.J. Alexander for that 35th overall pick. I'm going to talk about the second prospect first. I'm going to talk about the middle guy first, which is Andrew Hoffman, because I think that Hoffman is an example of someone that you would probably hope to get. I need to turn off my phone. Someone you would probably hope to get out of that extra pick. Because currently, Fangrass has him at a 40 future value, even though he is a 12th round pick from last year, no less. So this guy is a very fast riser. In fact, he has a 2.37 ERA. Oh, sorry, 2.36 ERA along with a 10.13 K through nine and a two point three six BB through nine. So he's giving up less than two and a half walks per nine innings and striking out more than ten batters per nine innings. He has um how many ninety strikeouts in eighty innings pitched at high a and the royals have already promoted him they, they, they as as they got a hold of him they've already sent him to AA. a so they've already moved him up to the next level pretty good for a guy who was drafted last year he is a, of course a college pitcher this is a 22 year old pitcher but still i mean it, it's pretty exceptional for a 12th round pick to not only already be in double a but also be pitching this exceptionally well that you're not supposed to get a legitimate prospect out of the 12th round and again van grass has him at a 40 future value which i would say again that is probably what you would expect from your bonus first round pick essentially and what i especially like is this guy he doesn't have a high ceiling But he does have a high floor. He's a low ceiling, high floor type of guy. The guy who seems pretty likely to be in a major league rotation, like not not just make the major leagues, but stick as a starter for several years at least. But, you know, he's not going to be an amazing pitcher or anything, just a, a solid, reliable back of the rotation kind of guy. Kind of like, I don't know, Jonathan Heasley, maybe. He has a pretty, eh, maybe okay fastball, a good slider, and an all right changeup, but I think the command is what helps him reach a higher level and is kind of why he's able to... I mean, the stats speak for them themselves. Again, he's striking out more than 10 batters per nine innings and giving up less than two and a half walks. Per nine innings. So yeah, he seems to com- command the, the zone pretty well. He also relies a lot on deception with his delivery. So he doesn't have amazing, overwhelming stuff, but solid command and interesting kind of mechanics, I guess. So that's kind of what makes him a low ceiling but high floor kind of guy. And again, I like that. I actually really like this for the Royals. This is kind of what you would hope to get from really maybe any draft pick. I mean, Uh, Sure, you would love to have a standout all-star prospect or whatever, but I mean, when you're drafting, you're just basically rolling the dice. And I kind of think this is a matter of just playing the odds or whatever, or, or, you know, maybe going with a safer option, basically. It's like, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the guy who has like a 10% chance of making the majors, but that 10% is also him being an all-star? Or would you have the 90% chance of someone making the majors, but they're probably not going to ever make an All-Star game? I don't know. I I feel like you would probably take that 90% chance. Especially because it's not like you're giving up the opportunity to do something better. The Royals still have the ninth overall pick in this coming draft. It's not like they are giving up this huge golden opportunity that doesn't come to them every day. I mean, in fact, this is actually also a really good year to have the ninth overall pick. There's like an S-tier talent that expands to the first 10, maybe even more picks. It's like, it's a really, really good year to have a number nine pick, because even at number nine, you're probably going to get someone who I don't know, it would be like number five, a top five pick in any other year. So, yeah, the Royals are still in a good position for this year's draft. They're just giving up that bonus pick that, again, is not a guarantee to be anything, really. And for that, you're getting someone who you have a very likely chance of panning out as a major league starter. I like that. And the best part is that it's not the only thing you're getting out of this trade. They're also getting Drew Waters, who is an outfield prospect, most notably a center fielder, which is something that the Royals do not have enough of. And he is very interesting. The reason why I'm talking about him second, why I wanted to cover Hoffman first, is because Hoffman is the safest prospect. He's the most likely to make the majors and and, and stick to a role, you know? Drew Waters is higher risk but also higher reward. He used to be the Braves' number one prospect. In fact, he was ranked in the top 50 overall prospects last year and in 2020. So, 18 months ago, this was a star-level prospect. And... He, again, he's very interesting because he's had a very quick rise to fame and just as quick as a fall from grace. Because he was drafted in 2017 out of high school, rose through the minors super quickly, I think reached AAA in 2019, but he's basically splatted into a wall at AAA and he hasn't really been able to figure it out There are big problems with his plate discipline. He just loves to swing. He does not like to take pitches at all. And I think launch angle has also been kind of an issue for him. In 2022, so far in AAA through 49 games, he has a .246 average and a .305 on base. And maybe the worst part about it is that he has 57 strikeouts. So... Yeah, strikeouts are an issue. Again, the pitch chasing is an issue. The launch angle for him has also been kind of an issue because his his power has really not come into play so far. So, yeah, he is dropping through prospect, prospect ranks really quickly. And it's an interesting get for the Royals. It's going to be a bit of a project, I guess. However, I think we should keep in mind... Who we have in the Royals organization and what our strengths are currently. What has been the one, like, positive, optimistic, you know, the the biggest sign of hope for the Royals this season? It's the hitting development. It's Drew Saylor overseeing all the hitting prospects and Alex Zumwalt coming into the major leagues. Mike Tostar coming into the major leagues and educating the big leaguers and in taking this lineup that was once one of the bottom 5 lineups maybe even the worst lineup in baseball at one point and turning it into a top 10 lineup in all of baseball that's what we've got going as the royals we are good at developing hitters and not just developing hitters but turning hitters around i mean we're talking about a guy who you know is You know, not hitting the ball enough, maybe not getting enough power, is swinging and missing too much. Uh, Help me out here, but doesn't that sound a little familiar? Doesn't that sound like we've dealt with that before? Oh yeah, like with Nick Prado? And MJ Melendez? And even Bobby Witt Jr.? Huh. Suddenly... I'm really optimistic about this return. I think that the Royals didn't make this move just on blind faith or like, ooh, look, a former top prospect. Wow, cool. I think that at some point, you know, the Braves came to the Royals. Because the Braves did actually come to the Royals. They are they are the ones who initiated this trade. And they're like, hey, we we want your extra draft pick. And then the Royals were like, hmm, all right, who who can we get out of this? Maybe they looked at Drew Waters and, you know. JJ J. Piccolo called up Drew Sailor or Zoom Walt or whoever and were like, "Hey, like t- take a look at this guy." And I would like to think that, you know, the Royals didn't tr- make this trade before, you know, getting Drew Sailor or whoever else in the organization and, you know, have them look at Drew Waters so they could be like, "Yeah, I think I know what to do with him. I think I think we know what to- I think we can fix him. I think we can make this guy work." We can turn this guy around and make him the hitter that he was supposed to be, that everyone expected him to be, that everyone wanted him to be. Yeah, the Royals are betting on themselves, saying, we have a past success of not only developing, but transforming hitters, including struggling hitters, past top prospects. I guess if you want to count MJ and Prado as top prospects, they kind of were at one point. And making them good at correcting them, basically. And they think that they can do that with Drew Waters. And if that happens, if they can do that, if these guys know what to do with Drew Waters and can turn him into a good hitter, oh man. That's just, that's that's so free. That's just amazing, honestly. That would be an absolutely stellar win for the Royals. That would be a steal. I mean... Again, this is a former top 50 prospect. You're talking about all-star material right here. You're getting a great player for your extra first-round pick. Why not? Why not take this deal? What is? I, I am personally really excited about this. I'm personally ecstatic because I believe in Zumwalt and company. I believe in Sailor and company. I think that they know what they're doing and they know what to do with him. And, yeah, and keep in mind, you know, I'm kind of saying that Waters is a failed prospect or a failing prospect. He's still 23, and he will be 23 for the entire year. Fun fact, he has the same birthday as me, although I'm three years older. (laughs) So uh, that makes me feel better about myself. I'm just sitting here doing nothing, and this guy is a you know he he gets to play for the royals. <laughs> but yeah, I am really optimistic about this. I'm optimistic and I'm excited. And that's still not the end of the trade. There is still another guy that the Royals got out of this. They also got a third base prospect, CJ Alexander, who's a 25-year-old, about to be 26-year-old in double A. Yeah. Less excited about that. He does have a lot of power and doesn't swing and miss as much as guys with a lot of power sometimes do. And he comes with some good speed, but also doesn't take walks too well. I'll just say, to put it nicely, I'm not as excited. I kind of see him as some organizational depth, really, mostly. Who knows? Maybe he could be someone, maybe he could be, at the very least, an emergency call-up in the future, something like that. But he seems like a bit of a throw-in for this deal. This deal is mostly Hoffman, who seems like a likely major league starter, and Drew Waters, who has the potential... And the possibility of being a great player. A great player. Like, this guy could be our, our future center fielder. Like, we've been asking all this time, like, what are we going to do with center field? That is pretty much the one position the Royals, like, really don't seem to have a long-term solution to. Because I don't really think Isbell is going to be that. I don't think Olivares is going to be that. I don't know if we have anyone in this organization who can reliably play center field every day and also be a great hitter. Drew Waters can be that. That is exactly what the Royals may have gotten from this. For, for again, basically for nothing. I, well, maybe not. it's not fair to say nothing, but they didn't give up any actual Major League player. They didn't give up any actual player. They gave up a draft pick, which is just essentially a lottery ticket. Yeah. Or maybe if you want to use past examples of what the Royals can get out of this, they gave up Chris Bubich. Or Nick Lofton for, again, a potential all star center fielder and a decent major league starting pitcher. I'm loving it. I'm actually really excited about this and I'm really happy the Royals made this kind of move because if nothing else even if you're not as excited as me and I understand because you know it, it requires some things to go right it requires some good player development which sometimes the Royals can be iffy on I get it I, I totally get why some people can be skeptical about this but if nothing else this trade is what I think a lot of people and by a lot of people I say like a lot of people within the Royals talkosphere. so me guys like Royals Review, Royals Farm, Royals Weekly, like everyone, really, it feels like. We want the Royals to be more transactional, which is something that Dayton Moore has also expressed and then conveniently walked back. The Royals need to make more moves like this, and they always wait until they don't really have a decision to make anymore. It's like they have to make a move because there is no other option. So guys on expiring contracts, like, they wait for that. They wait for the guys' final years like Danny Duffy, or kind of Whit Merrifield, I guess, if they trade Whit Merrifield this season. Um, Who else? Like, uh, Kelvin Herrera, I guess. You know, their philosophy always seems to be, hold on to everything you got, because maybe in the future it'll be better, you know, maybe next year Danny Duffy will be the ace pitcher that we kind of want him to be, or maybe next year Ryan O'Hearn will really turn around, or next year Whit Merrifield, or next year Adelbert Armandese, blah, 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 right? And then finally nothing happens at all, and it's like, okay, well, this guy is going to be a free agent in two months, we might as well trade him, Uh Like, it's a huge inconvenience to trade players, or something like that. But when the Royals make bolder decisions, they actually come out on top. And I really want them to do more kind of -of out-of-the-box moves like this, like this draft trade. The two examples that I have of this, unfortunately, there are only two because, like I said, the Royals really don't like being transactional. But, like, the two moves that the Royals really did not have to make but did are when they traded Tim Hill and Andrew Benintendi. Because Tim Hill, we didn't have to trade him. He was a guy who was in the majors for one year, maybe two, and he was just an all-right reliever. He was like a lefty specialist. I don't know. I, I didn't think he would be traded, and I don't think anybody did expect him to be traded, but he got traded. And we got Franchi Cordero for him. And I think it was either... Dylan Coleman or Ronald Bolaños I think it was Dylan Coleman so Dylan Coleman is on the Major League roster right now and he's been one of our better relievers this year nice but also Franchi Cordero became one of the main pieces to trade for Andrew Benintendi and we really did not need to trade for Andrew Benintendi that was a move that was like oh well we think we're going to be in the playoffs this year let's get Andrew Benintendi woo we didn't need to do that at all. However, it's a move that did work, in a way, when you think about it. Like, sure, the team itself didn't win with Andrew Benintendi, and they were supposed to. That was the intention. But giving Benintendi a change of scenery and maybe some different coaching has improved him significantly, and it is very likely that we are going to trade him for prospect Way better than what we gave up for him, because even if Francie Cordero's kind of hitting right now, we don't need him because it's year two of him in Boston. They actually DFA'd him in the offseason and then brought him back. So that wouldn't have happened in Kansas City. He would have just been DFA'd and that would have been the end of it last year. And also, they moved him to third base, actually, no, first base. (laughs) So, like, doubly unneeded by the Royals, a a first baseman who was taking a little too long to start hitting. So, yeah. And also Khalil Lee, who was just dropping down prospect lists more and more each year, and so far still hasn't really done anything, except, I think, throw a temper tantrum in the minor leagues. I don't know what, I forgot what he did. Like, something really douchey. Just a really bad look. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not really missing these guys. And a couple other lottery tickets. One of them, I think, is pitching kind of well. But so far, can't say too much about it. Yeah, odds are Benintendi is going to bring back way more than what we gave up. And that's going to be great for the Royals. That, that means that overall, acquiring Benintendi put them in a better place. That's what happens when you make some creative, maybe potentially uncomfortable decisions, I think. It's when when you get bold, when you get a little more daring. You never know. You really never know until you just try. And I really like what the Royals did with this. It shows that they are a little more daring, a little more creative. Even if, again, it was Atlanta who came to Casey first about this trade. They are the ones who started it. They are the the ones who had the idea. But I I really like the idea of it. it. It makes me excited for future years when the Royals pick between the first two rounds with that extra pick. Like, maybe in the future, the Royals can be like, hey, we've got this extra draft pick that you know we might not need as much as some other years let's go around looking for failing prospects on other teams like like who can we get from another system that you know isn't doing so well but we think we can transform with the with the coaching that we have on our side you know and we'll and we don't even have to give up actual players for it we'll just give up this draft pick something like that Maybe It could be worth exploring. It really could. It's a new sort of option the Royals have. And let's also not forget just the overall value that I think the Royals are getting. They traded a draft pick, essentially one thing for three prospects, one of them being a former top prospect. I personally think that this really advantages the Royals. Like, this works in the Royals' favor. And this could be, or rather, it could cause an effect on the market at the trade deadline. This could be something that advantages the Royals down the line as, you know, they're like, hey, uh, a draft pick is worth three prospects, three ranked prospects, including a former top prospect. Now, you know, imagine what it might cost for an actual major leaguer, an actual all-star, you know? I I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that maybe the Royals are building this market so that it advantages sellers more than buyers, and they're really setting themselves up for a seller-friendly market, which would be even better. So I like this move a lot for the Royals for several reasons. I like it because it seems like a practical move for the Royals turning one potential prospect into three with one of them having a chance of being very very good and also it's it's just something interesting it's something bold and, and creative for the Royals it's something that we kind of want them to do to be more transactional to you know take some opportunities like this take some risks like this so yeah that's just me though you can feel differently about it. I understand some people have reservations about the trade, and I would love to hear from you about it. So tell me at Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com or at me on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod. Tell me what you think about this trade. What do you think about these prospects that the Royals got? Is it you know, you know, worth do you think the 35th overall pick would be more worthwhile than whatever the Royals got? Did we make a mistake by giving up that extra draft pick? Hmm. I don't know. It's possible. It's totally possible. But until then, um, I'm just going to leave it at that because uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. You know, I'll, I'll come back tomorrow and talk about those games over the weekend as well as the Tigers games, both the games from yesterday and also today's game, to do Tuesday's game that's about to happen. So, yeah, I'll catch you later. Thank you very much. For making this podcast a part of your day. And I hope you're having a good one. I'm Lux. And go Royals.